Welcome back, friends. <laughs> Welcome back, friends. It's me. I don't sound like me, but it's me. Me with Thanksgiving crud, I guess. Holiday cheer. <laughs> holiday cheer. Little holiday cheer. So this is going to be our attempt at a mini episode. So. I'm going to keep it short. Sub 90 minutes, I guess. <laughs> uh, this is going to be our take on Forever Night Season 1, Episode 1, Dark Night. Which, this was the first time Matt had seen the television version of Nick Knight. Right, the movie plot in television form. Right, so I am excited to get into this, so let's just do it. So, hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. Intro music. Intro music. Okay, so this is a complete retelling of the Nick Knight made-for-TV pilot with Rick Springfield, which we previously watched and reviewed, and you should probably go listen to, because it's, it's a pretty funny episode. <laughs> and slightly better. Uh, you like it better? I think a lot of the character chemistry is better. Production quality, definitely lower, but I think the... You mean the TV... The yes. TV quality is lower. Yes, yeah. yeah. The TV show version of this story is lower production quality. But I think the characters are, the character interactions are a little more engaging. Yeah, we're definitely getting a more um, comfortable vibe. Like we're more comfortable with our characters and we're more comfortable with each other. Yeah, and I think Skanky's a little more um, approachable. He's less of a, Guy trying to be a hot shot. Right. He's less, of, he's less of a like lone wolf American detective, right? Because he's not even American anymore. Now we're all in Canada. We've emigrated and we're in Toronto. Just kind of an interesting. <laughs> we went from LA to Toronto. So West Coast to East Coast, maybe that's the difference. But we do open immediately with a flashback, which we don't do in Nick Knight. In fact, in Nick Knight, we get no flashbacks. Right. There's no... Uh, implication that he's just a guy. We start off with, he's a vampire. Bam. Welcome, everybody. He's a vampire. In case oh. you didn't know it, here we go. Uh, with this flashback mechanism is going to show up in every single episode, so I really hope you like it. Because Actually, there is one episode where we don't get a flashback, but we still get like alternate scenes but it's going to be people reading a book and they're all imagining themselves in the book oh. rather than an actual flashback. Interesting. But no, not an, nary an episode shall pass before we will, without getting at least one flashback. So 
just setting the tone. We go ahead and start off with a flashback. Um, and it's a woman we don't know yet. Um, I'm not sure if he introduces her, but this is Jeanette. Uh, this... He may in one of his French tirades. Yeah, they're speaking French. And the um, subtitles say speaking French. Well, it does translate it too. But... Well, the, the Amazon subtitles say speaking French, but then <laughs> there's like the burned in subtitles yeah. in the video translating it to English. Right. And we get uh, welcome. Uh, welcome, Nicholas. You are now as immortal as Paris. Nicolas. Nicolas, yes. <laughs> um, and he's not, we've, we've done away with the Jean-Pierre business. There's no right. Jean-Pierre here. It's just Nick. He's always Nick or some variation of Nick and has been Nick for the last uh, 800 years, which he's far younger in Nick Knight, actually. He's only supposed to be a couple hundred years old. So they've aged him up and we've done away with his... Uh, obviously French back story, <laughs> Jean-Pierre. Uh, but they are speaking French here. I don't know why, because he's supposed to be. Well, well, you know what? He is French, actually. He's Nicolas de, de Brabant. <laughs> yes, he's, he is French, but he's a French origin person in French, uh, French Canada. Right, yeah. So, so it, there's a, you don't need to, like emphasize the contrast of oh he was in france before he has a very french name it's he's in toronto and he can speak french ah, so right. can most people in toronto Huzzah. so you don't need to uh, justify it whereas in la it, it would be uh, a little more out of place yeah uh, we do get Lacroix right off, right from the get-go, too. So Lacroix is the dude in the magnificent collar with the uh, violin. Is that a violin? Yeah, I'm pretty... Okay, <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I think in this opening scene, he has a violin. And so that's why later on when Nick is driving in the car and he tunes into the Nightcrawler. Yeah. Is this supposed to be the first time he's heard the Nightcrawler? Yes. Okay, so that's why it's such a shock. So... LaCroix is the radio host on this show, The Nightcrawler, and he says that, you know, I've been here two weeks and I still haven't seen my old friend, and he says, this one's for you, and he starts playing the violin, and we cut back to kind of the same um, the same memory or the same sequ yeah. sequence of memories of when he first became a vampire. To the point that he gets so distracted while he's driving that he drifts into the other lane. But I think Lacroix was supposed to have been playing that same song on the violin in the original... Uh, the flashback. In the flashback. Yeah. Clearly the collar and violin playing made as much of an impact on us and as it does on Nick because it's quite, it's quite the collar. Uh, and then we go straight to the museum. We do get a little flight. Hey, like handy cam here and then we go straight into the museum we dispense with the 45 minutes of heavy breathing and flapping sounds yes which is a good it's a good choice uh so we get a little handy cam footage um but then we go straight into murdering the guard right and we don't get the same like montage of like the prowler in the museum following the guard with, contrasted with the guard just eh, walking around. Doing I mean, my he patrol. is eating a cupcake, right. but he's, yeah, he's listening. He's carrying a radio. 
I don't know if he's supposed to be listening to music. I don't know what this radio is. This is too far in the past. This is 30 years ago. I don't know he's doing this. But he sets it on top of the case, and that's what our uh, mystery villain uses to break the case to get the Oh, gun. yeah. It's a big radio. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a boombox. It's not a boombox, but it's it's a significantly sized radio. And he uses the like thing in the wall to that they used to use when they would go on rounds. You, you'd have these like keys attached to the wall, and you stick it in this little circular thing and it's a way of like marking that you've gone around to all the different areas right so that's what he's doing over on the wall um when the guy comes and breaks the case and then uh there's no shooting this time the guy just kind of goes right (laughs) they've truncated most of the most of the plot for the tv version yeah yeah because we got half an hour left we can't really play around too much and then we get a little bit of the night vision which this is going to be our night vision effect K-N-I-G-H-T-V-I-S-I-O-N. Night vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be our night vision effect uh, going forward. Apparently, this is how vampires see in the dark, which is like a red circle <laughs> in the center of the screen. Yeah, it's kind of like a red filter with a spotlight in the middle. Yeah. Uh, and then we get our first look at Nick Knight, uh, who is Geraint Wynn Davies. He's a Welsh-American fellow. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be our Nick Knight moving forward. So, sorry, Rick Springfield, you've been replaced. Uh, but he walks in in a crowd of reporters, and they're asking him about the vampire murders. And he's like, you're not going to call him that, are you? And uh, when they continue to press the issue, he just hypnotizes a lady in front of all of them. And is like, you're tired and you want to go home. And she's like, I'm tired and I want to go home. And then they all just leave. Like... <laughs> Right. All these intrepid reporters and nobody notices that while interviewing this guy about vampire murders, he hypnotizes. And this probably isn't the first time that he's done that. Yeah, because he just stares intently at her. He just like tips his head slightly back, gives her like a death stare. He's like, you want to leave. You want to go home. You want to go home. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do want to go home. Uh, And then we get the crime scene, which there's far fewer people. Thank goodness. Um, although Skanky is straddling the body and taking pictures with the camera. And then Nick Knight bends down and like touches the body a couple times. Yeah. And he's also okay. he's also really playing up how quote unquote uncomfortable this blood is making him. He he does it more convincingly than Rick Springfield. Well, because he doesn't rip a a hanky out of his pocket and, and hold it over his nose. No, he's just like Oh, yeah, this I'm a little disturbed in some way or shape or form. And then Skanky gets the same line, but we've replaced hemoglobin with salsa picante. Is there any blood left in the body? Not much. Looks like just all the others. Can you believe they put a guy like this in homicide? Falls apart when he sees a little salsa picante? So, yeah. uh, and then Elise is also demoted to assistant curator. Ooh, sorry, Elise. Yeah, so he gets directed over to her instead of just like dick sensing her with his like <laughs> his female huge historical radar, knowledge. His huge historical knowledge. Uh, he actually gets to, and they immediately talk about the case. Big shock! Instead of uh, him just talking about archaeology the entire time, yeah, and they he introduces himself to her in kind of the same way uh, by implying that he can read. Well, they do talk about the case first. And then he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. So are these from Altoon Canal? And she's like, oh, my God, how'd you know that? And he's like, oh, the green and the pigments. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. But then he also talks about his alarm code yeah. being the, the top numbers on that one, Stella. And he does make the same amateur grave robbing comment, but this Elise isn't as a, this is an assistant curator. She's not the, the main curator. So she she's doesn't not pick as bantery. Yeah. She's not as good as bantery. We do get a little flirting, but it's definitely not the same heavy flirting vibe we got from the first one, which I'm fine with. Yeah. It felt forced. This is, this still feels forced, but it, at least I don't get it forced on me quite so much. <laughs> <laughs> and she also immediately leads with the cup being used for sacrifice victims. Yes. Yeah, we don't we don't hold on to that for any period of time. She just drops it right then and there. And when we cut to the coroner scene with the cup where he's the coffee cup. It's not a coffee cup, it's like a glass beaker this time. Right, with tea. Yeah, and we've gender swapped our coroner. Yep. So they probably realized uh Nick Knight was a sausage party. And we needed some we needed a little pizzazz. So Natalie Lambert is our coroner instead of Jack. Huge improvement. Huge improvement, yeah. I like her. I much prefer her. Um, of course, he still can't drink it, although with some taunting, he does drink a swallow and keep it down, which we didn't do in Nick Knight, so clearly this He's is He's more receptive to a female Knight. criticism. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, they get the same vampire versus slash discussion where she's like, oh, the others were cut, and this guy clearly was bitten. And Matt and I and, had a little and back she and says, forth about uh, this fang makeup. Oh, she says, uh, is this something I need to be worried about? Like, is this actually another vampire? Right. And he just stares off into space, which is his typical. And the fang makeup mechanism. is way better. Way better. Yeah. It's way a better, better angle. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a the right angle. position of where a typical vampire would actually bite someone on the neck. <laughs> um, the spacing is still. Eh. Yeah, they're a little close together, yeah. but we're, we're in the ballpark. Yeah. Hey, hey, we showed up today. Good job, everybody. We communicated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then we meet Captain Stone Tree, and he's going to be our captain for this season. We get a new captain every season. So welcome, Captain, for the next uh, 20-some episodes. He plays in Resident Alien, this guy. He's uh, Harry, I think, in Resident Alien. I think he's one of those... One of those guys. Yeah. He's he's one of that guy. Yeah, he's in a lot of different stuff. Um. Yeah, I like him in this. I was like Stone Tree. I like the I like season two better. I mean, season two one is fine, but uh, I like Captain Stone Tree. Um, and we get the partner conversation, and it feels a little bit more. Um, it feels a little bit more companionable this time. Like mm-hmm. uh, the police chief doesn't feel, or the police captain doesn't feel quite so. I don't aggressive. Know. Yeah, aggressive. It's a different vibe. It's much more like, "Hey, Nick, I'm sorry." Like, you you did this, I worked, like, you told me you were allergic to sunlight, so you work at night, and, you know, I'm, I'm working with you, dude, but for this case, you know, I gotta mix things up a little bit. So in Nick Knight, when they have this conversation, we put a lot of emphasis on the fact that the first couple of victims were uh, not notable as they were simply people experiencing homelessness. And that the reason he has to get a partner now is because someone of high value, quote unquote. It's a higher profile case now because this guy had a job. So we don't, we downplay that a little bit. It's more like, hey, you seem to be having trouble 
Well, and, and it seems like it's more because it's getting more media attention. More media, but also because there's just more bodies. And right. Nick is having a hard time keeping up. And so he's like, hey, I'm sorry. I know I tried to accommodate you. It's basically the Canadian version of this discussion where he's like, and I think when it was, I'm sorry, I wish I could keep having you do it by yourself, but you got to have a partner now. It's also framed more as Skanky is going to be taking it during the day. Right. So and that then it will pass be it back and forth. So yeah, there's someone on, less, on less, the case 24 hours. Yeah. Away. Less I'm taking someone from day shift and dropping them in with you and more like, I'm giving you a counterpart in day shift, which makes more sense. To share the load. To share the load. And so we get the same somebody shoot me comment. A different experience. His name. You don't have to work with him on the shift chain. Oh, come on, Captain. Will Hattie. Pardon. Will somebody shoot me? Please. But he doesn't actually take his gun out or anything. He just sort of yeah, turns I and think says it's, it. This is uh, less impactful. I mean, it's, but if, to me, it feels less contrived because he's not actually taking his weapon out and trying to get someone to shoot him with it. He's just like, which, which is uh, better somebody uh, gun shoot protocol. Me. Yeah. To not pull, you're only supposed to pull your gun out when you're going to use it or clean it. Right. And then, uh, so after that, he leaves. Uh, Nick heads home. And he talks to a couple of his friends who are apparently um, out and about. And they are. He encourages them to come stay in his building. Um, stay with him. Yeah, he has a place for them there. He has a place for them. Um, and they're like, no, it's fine. It's the same character names. Genie yeah, and it's Topper. same Genie and they're Topper. They're still like, together. But they're young. But they're younger. Yeah. Um, and we've dispensed with the Mayan movie theater heavy-handed <laughs> set reference. Yeah, uh, Nick Knight's character is less tied up with the plot of this particular story. Yeah. And more, uh, this is just one of the cases that he will be working on. His entire house is not themed. <laughs> around uh, this case. You know, conveniently around the same themes as this case. Right. It's like an industrial loft space, which I always loved this house. Um, yeah. And it has like an upstairs, but we get several references to it only having one bedroom. So I don't know. I always thought this was a really interesting set choice that they have put together here. Um, so he does have like floor to ceiling windows and it's like a two story room. Uh, so he has mechanical blinds to close those. So he does the whole. Oh, but he has a remote control. Yes. He doesn't and, just have a button on the wall. Right. And he does the whole close the blinds, pull out a bottle of blood, drink it out of his little jade cup, which looks far more jade than the jade cup, which looked more ceramic. Yes. And he doesn't bother microwaving it. He just takes blood straight out of the refrigerator. Drinks it cold. Drinks it cold. <laughs> and then just lets it dramatically dribble out the side of his mouth, which uh, say what you want about Gare, but dramatic is is his wheelhouse. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it establishes a little more clearly what he's drinking. Yeah, I mean they do the same thing. He doesn't at drip, dip his finger in the cup and lick it off. Yeah, it's or, uh, anyway, it's a little much for me, but that's okay. Much too much is fine. Gare's fine with too much, and we're gonna see that over and over and over again. And just just learn to love it is what I'll say. Uh, we do get more flashback about when he was turned uh, with the Qua encouraging him to eat. And uh, I think in the German version, so there's three versions they filmed. There's like a Canadian version, an American version, and a German version. 
And often in the German version, there would just be legit nudity. So there is a part here where like when we pan out, she's got like a shirt on. And then when we pan in, it's clear she's topless. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Matt noted. He was like, oh, yeah, she's not wearing a shirt there. Uh, so probably in the German version, we just straight got nudity here. But sorry, that's not what's airing on Amazon. The flashback difference here is, um, so in Nick Knight, at this point, we got no flashback. We just got a couple of photographs. So I do like the flashbacks. And they put a lot of work into the flashbacks um, consistently throughout the series. You're going to get lots of cool costumes and sets. So the flashbacks are usually my favorite part. So I'm always excited when we get a flashback. Uh, but this one is apparently a nightmare because he wakes up and he has uh, red blood droplets on his forehead because, of course, he actually just oh, he's, sweats he's blood. He's sweaty. Yeah, he's sweating blood. Yeah. Uh, he checks his messages just like in the movie. Um, and again, it's Elise inviting him over and Natalie ribbing him about eating. Uh, so he goes over to his burger, except this time it's not a freshly cooked burger. It's just a burger that's just like sitting, sitting in, in a pan. pan. <laughs> <laughs> and he takes a bite and then he spits the bite in the trash can and drops the burger in the trash can. Uh, and we cut to the precinct where Skanky is again donating blood. And then they leave to go drive around in his Cadillac. Right. And they have the conversation about uh, blood types. Yes. And where Nick Knight is older, his Cadillac is newer. It's now a 1962 Cadillac. So this is three years later. Yes. And so the year of the car is three years older. It is. It's a 1962 Cadillac. Instead but we of get, 1959. We get the same trunk space comment. I'll smoke a ciggy. Not my caddy. You know, why don't you drive a nice, clean city car, huh? A regular beater. I mean, we all know you're Joe Cool, but I think the trunk space. Trunk space? Mm. The 1962 Cadillac has more trunk space than any car made in the last 30 years. Trunk space. Uh, I knew that. And Skanky is a much softer, more goofier, less abrasive character just overall than he is in Nick Knight. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Skanky's one of my favorite characters. Um, they do so much with Skanky. They, he really could have been a throwaway. He could have just been a foil for Nick. But he ends up being a pretty nuanced character in his own right, which I've always really enjoyed. And uh, this time they don't get a call about the guy with the automatic weapon. Nick literally just hears it. <laughs> and Skanky and he have just been having a conversation about intuition. And says, intuition. Yeah, Skanky says it, intuition. And so when they go to turn around, he goes, what's going on? Where are we going? And Nick goes, three words, Skanky, intuition. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, so he shows up and he immediately greets some people on the street and he does speak to them in an Asian language. It's too short for me to tell you which one, but we get like a, oh, okay, Nick Knight is a man of the world. Like he knows a lot of different languages. He's been around. Uh, th that's what we're supposed to get from this. Um, and nobody questions this. So apparently he does it all the time. There's also no pool. It's just a hotel room. And we get the same night vision, like red dot in the middle. When he looks in the room and he says something to Skanky about what's in the room and Skanky's like, what? You can see in there? And this is another consistent theme. Nick does very little to hide what he is from Skanky. And in fact, at one point, Skanky almost puts it together. Oh, he does? Yes, because Nick just makes no effort 
he's like, I'm going to go around. They're in a motel room and Skanky and Nick are in the hallway. There is no around, but he just tells him he's going to go around, which Nick, which Skanky notices. He's like, what around? There's no around. And then we get our reveal of the vamp face for forever night. And we've dispensed with angry vampire gerbil. Right. Which I couldn't it's be happy with. pretty much just contact lenses and fangs. Yeah, contact lenses and fangs is There's exactly no, like, what it is. In forehead prosthetics. No, we are going to get some eye glow, which is uh, achieved with like a filter on the camera. So every once in a while, the <laughs> the uh, contacts will have gone a little AWOL. And so they <laughs> 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 it was hard to see. Um, but when we do just the green contacts, they're almost always centered. So we've got okay. that going for us, but we will get some wonky eye glow. In fact, I don't think they had the budget. They did not have the budget for the like eye glow glass, eye glow contacts in season one. So we're going to, they actually took a piece of cardboard and cut a rectangle out of it and stuck and showed a, light a through flashlight it, through it. On and so, face. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get some uh, eye band glow, um, but you have that All to right. look forward to because we right. don't do that in this particular moment. We do see him flying though. As yes. promised. Okay, so in the movie, we when there's the gunman hostage scene, uh, in the movie he goes in and he, when he jumps out of the pool, he's flying around at the gunman. But he's on like, you know, a four or six foot cable, so he's swinging back and forth really fast. <laughs> and it looks bad. But in this one, he's more like, gliding across the screen yeah and it's more like I, he's tied to a zip line <laughs> yeah it's more like he's hanging from a zip line yeah. and gliding horizontally it looks a lot better and <laughs> i think it fits a lot better relatively with the speaking relatively speaking yes yes it's a much better actual flying vampire scene yeah and then we get our genie and topper attacked scene of course but they are much younger and not older um and then elise who is not eating, is at her desk. Yes. Yes. We did away with the, <laughs> the eating, uh, everything, anything, uh, whatever. Just arm loads just of Just arm loads food. of crap food. Yeah. So she's just at her desk, which I guess we didn't invest enough in this character to even feed her, is what I'm getting, <laughs> is what I'm getting from this. Uh, and she sees the picture of Nick in the book, and we just sort of montage our way straight to where she has the enhanced image. Yeah, there's no photocopying scene. Yeah, because she just like looks at the image, and then all of a sudden she has a large photocopied version in her hand. Maybe that's in the German cut. <laughs> Maybe. I feel like I remember it, but I don't know if I was remembering Nick Knight or if I'm remembering Forever Knight. They get a little conflated, so anyway. Uh, she again finds him in a book. Uh, which we don't get a telltale scar or anything this time. It just looks like him. Uh, so he does go to the museum at this point and scares her. Uh, and she's like, oh, you scared me. Hold me. But he, <laughs> he kind of scared her on purpose. Was he feeling a little frisky? Uh, he... I think he was just trying to sneak in and didn't know she was there. And then when she was, he just took the opportunity to speak right, her. So, but this this like hold me scene works a lot better because she's scared and then she's like, oh, thank God it's you. Hold me. Hold me. <laughs> so he does. I'm so glad you're here. And he gets a little into it because we see some fang. He's feeling fang frisky. Blood. He's feeling a little fang frisky. Uh, as he like forcibly spins her around and hugs her from the 
the from back behind. hug. Uh, is that this time? Oh, maybe it's we come back because we cut in the middle of this to Stone Tree oh, and Skanky right, right. talking. Yeah, this isn't the kissing scene. Yeah, and uh, Stone Tree and Skanky, all the characters have a much better rapport than they do in Nick Knight. And so he, we get this cool story where Stone Tree's like, "Okay, so you're saying it's a vampire?" And Skanky's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's what the guy said. He said a vampire grabbed him and pulled him out the window, which is true. It's exactly." what happened but of course they don't know that so uh stone tree tells them a legend about the scorpion and how you never burn a scorpion because then scorpions will come from miles around to uh to enact their revenge and skanky's like oh my god i didn't know that and he's like yeah that's because it's a lie because <laughs> like, it's a myth <laughs> just like vampires are a myth so so i don't want to hear you talking about vampires again yeah it's a cool uh like stone tree character establishing moment and skanky too and so I always like that little bit of scene, but then we yeah, go back. He definitely and, plays up the like you know, Native American, like mystic, uh, just native vibe because we're in Canada. <laughs> but it's it's still North America. Yeah, but yeah. just yeah, native. And so he's he's kind of vibing on the Native American mystic thing, like telling the scorpion story, and and then he's like, yeah, but that was bullshit, skanky. <laughs> uh, you should not have been caught up that easily, right? Uh, and then we go back to Elise and Nick, and they do their quote swapping. Uh, and he gets a little close again, uh, which she's obviously way more into it, so it works a lot better. We don't get the, Yeah, I like, think the chemistry works better between them in this yeah, version. Yeah, it doesn't feel quite as um, forced. Uh, it feels a little more consensual, the yes. snuggling. Yes. yes. Uh, which is good, um, because when Gare, Garein, films a kissing scene, he's all in. <laughs> he's all in your lips are all in the bottom half of your face is all in all of it, it's all in so luckily she's into this because when they yes, kiss his entire face is there yeah he just like eats the other person which <laughs> <laughs> kind of holds his mouth open near their face <laughs> yeah uh he's not gonna do that any different ever so again just learn to love it uh elise is trying to talk uh but nick's just hangry so she's trying to tell him a story about what happened and about the dig and the book she was reading. And he's like, yeah, I gotta go. So he just dips um, and the guard shows up. And the guard never even knew Nick was there. I know. And hey, Nick's missing. But she's not missing as much, it feels like, in this as he is in Nick Knight. Yeah, it's not. He well, doesn't it doesn't feel like that hiding. yet because we're about yeah. to cut. Right. Because this is only the first half. It's oh, Dark right. Knight Part 1 and Dark Knight Part 2. This is just Part 1. Uh, Nat finds him at his apartment, though, and he's watching an old vampire movie. And she scolds him for drinking yeah. blood. Yeah, we reenact the sad vampire argument scene, and uh, Natalie moans about how he's drinking blood, even though she told him not to. And then we get the Betty Ford line. I am what I am. And I don't think Betty Ford takes vampires. You can be. And then she hears Elise call, and it picks up on the answering machine, and Natalie... Just like Jack senses that there's a story there. And so she pushes Nick a little bit, which he's like leaning on his television. And it looks like he's wearing like an 1800s, like <laughs> white tunic thing, which but I, he always does. It's like gathered sleeves and it's like puffy at the bottom. And I'm like, is that what he was wearing underneath what he was wearing? Because that's a lot of fabric. I don't know. Maybe he just had it in his drawer. <laughs> he just that's pulled it out. He gets home and he slips into something more comfortable. <laughs> yes, his uh, hand-sewn tunic from the 1850s. Uh, and then we go back to... Well, uh, I think after after he's like... she's uh, Elise leaves the message. Like, after what happened tonight, 
uh, we need to talk. And yeah. Natalie's like, what happened tonight? And he's like, and he's I like, kissed her. I kissed her. And, and then I nearly we're... killed her. <laughs> and so then Natalie's a little more sympathetic to yeah. why he's sitting there, you know. Moping. Moping, drinking yeah. blood. Um, because he he feels like he almost killed this woman that he felt like was worth kissing. Yeah. And then they have the LaCroix conversation. Which isn't the reveal it was in the Nick Knight movie, because we've seen him already. And heard his dulcet tones. And her, yes. <laughs> Which they're not as dulcet as they're going to be. Not yeah. yet. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't quite found his LaCroix voice yet. Yeah, the husky, poetic, reciting <laughs> LaCroix voice. <laughs> yes, oh my God, so much LaCroix. So then we're going to go to the blood drive, which is going on um, in like a parking deck kind of thing. And somebody finds Topper's body, which instead of just being like shoved in the corner under a cardboard box, he's actually like tucked in a barrel, like an oil drum yep. and covered with a tarp. So that makes more sense, I guess. It's a place to hide yeah, a body. There was an attempt made to hide the body. Yeah. Um, and Nick's mad because, of course, he shows up and he's just shouting about Jeannie and not focusing on the fact that we actually need to solve this problem and just being pissed. That and once again, Skanky is the only one working the case. Yeah. I mean, Nick's doing a better job, but he's not doing a great job because he's just like, I should have I should have pushed them more. I should have had them sleep with, you know, in where they would have been warm and safe. And I could I have protected them. Right. So he just focuses on his guilt, which guilt is a running theme. So Well, it's a running theme in the vampire genre. Yeah. I guess the moral vampire genre. Yeah, the moral vampire genre. That's a good. That's a good name for it. Moral vampire. Um, and Skanky actually picks You're up welcome. on the. He actually picks up on the blood mobile connection again, as usual. Um, and then we go to the Raven, which this whole movie is far. This whole television show is far less smoky. I guess air air control quality air quality control is stricter in Toronto. Oh, I think there's just less pollution in Toronto in general. <laughs> Than in LA. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, it's it's nineteen ninety two. LA just had a lot of pollution and Toronto much less yeah. of an industrial area. Yeah. And it's nineteen ninety two. And it's colder. So it's uh three years. We've had three years longer to get our shit together. Clean up the atmosphere a little bit. So we can see what's going on when we go to the Raven. Um and Jeanette is there. And Jeanette is uh Deborah Duchesne. And she is styled so well in season one. And then in season two, they really just don't know what to do with her half the time. And then season three, she's gone. But season one is definitely peak Jeanette. So everyone else is going to peak a little later. But Jeanette's, this is a, this is a nice outfit she's wearing. <laughs> she's got like this off the shoulder velvet number. And she's got these like elbow length lace gloves and like a velvet choker. And she pulls off the like sensual club owner. Yes. Former lover of Nick much better than the oh, yeah. movie version. The sexual tension between Jeanette and Nick is just going to be. Is on point. Yeah. And it's going to be like we're not going to. It's going to stay that way. And it's so much better. Like you actually, you can't hardly pay attention to the one in Nick Knight because you're not. Right. So I actually thought at first that Jeanette in the movie was the same actress as the police captain in later <laughs> in the show. <laughs> it's because they look kind of similar. Uh, maybe, maybe it was just 
Maybe it was just the L.A. haze. Yeah, it must have been the L.A. haze because the only female captain we're going to get is Asian. Yeah, it was an older Asian woman. Was Jen, was no, not well, Nick Knight. Oh, it, she looked. No, okay. she's like okay. a blonde lady. See, you didn't. You couldn't even tell, right? Okay, this just proves my point that she was not memorable in the slightest. Uh, but this Jeanette is, uh, and she's got a much grungier, much less mod bar, and uh, it's the lady from his flashbacks. So this is Jeanette from all of his flashbacks. And she says the same line that we got from Nick Knight about how music and young men are always better in Paris. <laughs> but since the sexual tension here is so much better, you actually remember the line. Then we get some POV cam in the club, which this is almost our first POV cam since the museum. So apparently whoever did all the POV stuff the first time around didn't get brought back. back. <laughs> didn't get brought back because this is our first, oh no, somebody is following Nick. POV cam moment when we're in the Raven. Um, and as he's leaving, it's revealed that this is Elise that is following him. And instead of her doing the dumb, like, walk up to him in the club and then pull the book out of her secret pocket or whatever, she actually gets in her own vehicle and follows, follows him. And then we hear the Nightcrawler broadcast. Okay, I, I remember why I was misremembering that scene. And there was an episode of the TV show where the police captain runs the Raven. Curiouser and curiouser. Yes. That, that's the scene I was recalling in my mind when I was thinking back to the movie version. Uh, because the movie version was so poor. <laughs> yeah, she's not, she's, not the, she's not great. I mean, I'm sure she's a wonderful person. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I looked up. Yeah. The, I looked it up. And yes, okay, I remember Yeah, One, it's hazy. It it's dark. You were distracted by all the fedoras. There's like neon everywhere. And then and then we get like a dumb Elise moment. And so, of course, you forget it. But this Elise, in this case at least, is a little smarter because she is following him, but she doesn't let herself get caught. And she hops in her car and follows him. And then we hear the Nightcrawler broadcast. The Nightcrawler bringing you a little lead on CRK metal for the H's. Three weeks in this town, and I still haven't seen my old friend. This next song is dedicated to you, Nicholas, my brother, my child. And this is what I'm talking about. This is not what LaCroix is going to sound like. We get just a little... Okay, so, yeah, the the first part of it yeah. is, and when we like, get to, not his voice. No, but when it's we like get the to last the two end sentences. of it, yeah, when we get to the end of it, we're like, oh, yeah, this is where we're going. LaCroix, this is LaCroix's voice at the very end there. Um, and then we immediately cut to the flashback triggered by the violin playing on the radio. And when he comes back, he's actually drifted into the oncoming lane because he was so into his thoughts. And then he cuts back. And we get the to-be-continued screen. Because this is just part one of two. So first episode of Forever Night, season one, is the first half of Nick Knight. And then the second episode is going to be the second half of Nick Knight. And then we're off to the races. We've reestablished all of our characters. We've refilmed our entire pilot. And we're ready to get started. So this was your first time watching this. How did you feel? Uh, it was good. Uh Yeah, I guess it was good. I don't much, know. Yeah, it's because it's the else. same. It's it's not a and new. I'm, it's not new, really. I'm familiar with all the same. characters, those actors playing those characters. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was. I, I'm wondering how the second 
half is going to play out. Yeah, but it's, it's pretty similar. But we got to get through it. Because yeah, it's I think all the plot two. beats are almost exactly the same. Yeah, we don't change a whole ton, except that we add the flashbacks. Yes. Which, Which I, like. I think are an improvement. Yeah, because yeah. they establish him as a, they establish his um, backstory. Right, and, and you immediately establish the contrast between Nick Knight in the past was yes. a predator vampire. Right. And now he's a cop. And we've established that he's atoning for his sins already. Attempting to, yeah. Yeah, attempting to. That's Uh, fair. Yeah, with the Natalie scene. An important note is remember this flashback. Because the next time we flashback to him on the day he was turned, we're not going to have short hair. (laughs) We're going to have a mullet. (laughs) Like a long, luxurious... (laughs) Parisian mullet. <laughs> yes. Uh, so just enjoy the short hair while you've got it is what I'll say. Uh, but LaCroix in season one is not peak LaCroix. Jeanette is peak Jeanette. And kind of Natalie and Nick peak for their relationship, their romantic relationship. So those are kind of the things we would I would want you to, to kind of focus on as we're moving through season one. Is we're not going to get back the kind of romantic chemistry between Nick and Nat that we have in season one. Okay. Um, so enjoy it while it lasts. And it's really because this got passed around a fair amount. I'm not sure I quite knew what to do with a vampire detective in 1992. So season one and season two get passed network wise. And then season two to season three, we get passed again. And so we're going to go through a tonal shift every single time. So it's really, it's kind of nice because it keeps it from feeling too one note. But you do lose things in the transition. So just something to remember. So in an attempt to keep this a mini episode. Hey, oh, look at that. We kept it below an hour. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it must be because I'm not. I'm a little too sultry today, I guess, with the scratchy voice. You need to rest your voice, honey. I do. I do, obviously. But we had to talk about Forever Night. We couldn't wait any longer. So. All right. Uh, We're still working on the Discord channel, and we're still working on the website because we literally just... I'm I'm doing that tonight. Right. Kids are at Grandma's. I actually have some free time. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, which is why we're recording this not at 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not even uh, 6 o'clock yet. Oh, wow. So this was Strange and Beautiful Book Club, the day edition. The night edition. Uh, but you can find us if you want to keep up to date with what we're doing. I keep the Instagram updated and it is at Strange and Beautiful Book Club, or there's a link in the show notes. And we're also at Patreon at Strange and Beautiful Book Club, and there's a link in the show notes for that as well. Um, still, Matt is our only Patreon, and he doesn't even get any of the perks because he's on the lowest tier. But if you want to know what kind of stuff you can get, which I Went to quite the trouble to list it all out on the Patreon page, so feel free to go check it out. Plus, you get a sticker, I think. I hope. (laughs) I tried. Uh, So just go check it out anyway. It's at Strange and Beautiful Book Club. And I guess we will see you all next time. Remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.
to wish her.